You know, this is why, you know, we we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves for life sneaking up on us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I mean, who, there's no way that we could have predicted that I was going to have a hospital stay. No. You know, well, I guess we could based on some of the dietary decisions I make. I am so sorry. Did I miss something? You were in the hospital? Oh, you oh take, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I we, thought you we, two took care of that before I got on. We didn't really talk about it much on uh Whoops. on Twitter or anywhere else. But yeah, yeah, I was in the hospital for a couple days or oh. actually just just a day. Um well, Yeah. Happier okay or at least not yeah, in the I, hospital anymore. <laughs> I survived. I survived. Uh the only thing I've had to do is basically sleep from like you know, like 14 to 16 hours a night and we're good. That we're sounds good. nice. Yeah, don't don't get uh, don't get vertigo, folks. It sucks. Oh God! No. Oh my God! My mom had vertigo for like well, she still has it, but for like years, she couldn't get out of bed or do anything. It was awful. Oh, it is it is the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. It is it is so bad. You, you basically, it feels like someone it, like there's like a handle on your skull, and somebody pulls the handle in circles, like it's mm-hmm. like a merry-go-round, just Oof. just yanks on it. I had an episode once and I don't ever want that shit ever again. It was awful. Well, and the, and the sensation is very similar to a Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that segue, ladies and gentlemen. That's how the pros do it. <laughs> it's called a transition. <laughs> yeah. So later this week, folks, we're talking about Inception because a little while ago, there is a, a poll on Twitter that we put out where we asked folks, hey, what do you want to hear us talk about? Here's a few things that we're going to cover. Um, devotees will remember that Trey Parker and Matt Stone won that contest. And to this day is one of our most downloaded episodes. Um, so if you haven't checked those out, definitely uh, head on over. Uh, yeah, other people seem to yeah. like them. So you probably will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's many, episodes. many folks who love that journey. So, um, so yeah, this, that was one of them. And then, uh, you know, we had ready player one mixed in there. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, inception kind of got, uh, delayed quite a bit because, well, if you've listened to this, this program, uh, you know, that we've, we've had some tangents, we've done some side quests. We've had some folks here and there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you have to do the side quests, all of them. I mean, that's why we're waiting so long for Witcher season two is because Henry Cavill is still doing side quests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're completionists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got to get that platinum. We got to get that hundred percent. Sure do. Sure do. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about Christopher Nolan? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I know there's a lot of folks that haven't watched his films, whether it's because they're like, oh man, that guy, he's not Michael Bay and I, I need my Michael Bay, you know, I, I really enjoy being confused, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. Spend most of my life that way. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. But, but I mean, he's been doing this for a lot longer than, than just the last 15 years. I mean, he's been at it. Um, well, I mean, I say 15 years, but like, really, it's like he's been at it like 20, I think. Uh, I think Memento came out in 2000. That's like the earliest one I've seen from him. Um, which I know Joe hasn't seen Memento, but Chelsea has. Mm -hmm. I have seen Memento. Yes, yes, yes. So how did you feel about it when 
that was that wasn't there that TV show that came out uh, where that lady's covered in tattoos and they have to like go back and figure out what they all mean? Yeah, yes. that, mm-hmm. which that did that only get a season? I think so. I can't remember. Which is yeah. sad because that seemed like a fun show. I mean, I didn't watch it, but it looked cool. So I'm sad that it didn't, you know, eventually get a second season that I could so I could maybe not watch it again. But yeah, go well, Memento. It, but it, it made me just want to watch Memento again. And Chelsea, I don't mm-hmm. know if you agree with this, but like Memento was a wonderful film because it's the, the story is told in reverse. And it's it's like how um if you've ever seen the other guys where the guy goes like can you tell us the story of what happened and he goes yes i can but to properly tell it i need to tell it from the end and then bring you back start at the end yes start at the end bring (laughs) you back to the beginning tell some some small bits of dialogue in between you know memento totally starts at the end and then works its way back i mean chelsea what Mm -hmm. did you like about that movie um honestly so it's kind of neat the first time that i ever watched it was actually in a psychology class and so we were kind of looking at it from you know the perspective of understanding like um well because the main character has amnesia obviously and so that's why he needs to use his mementos to you know kind of um I don't, I, are we remember? spoiling? Are we not spoiling? Like, this is what, it's 2001, super long time ago, right? Most, most synopsises will tell you that, so Guy Pierce is the main character in the movie. Uh, he has uh, interrograde amnesia, so he can't form new memories. Mm-hmm. So that's why he has these reminders, because, yeah, I need to document things as they happen, otherwise they're gone. Right. Yeah. So he does that through like a really complex system of like Polaroid pictures um, and, you know, like, well, well-written clues and all that kind of stuff. And that's how he remembers this little mystery that unfolds. Yes. Um, yeah. Which, which we won't give a spoiler warning on that one. I mean, it is a great film, but that, yeah, that was my first Christopher Nolan moment. I didn't know if that was yours too. It was my first. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yes. I what did a- also see um oh god and um insomnia. If anyone's ever seen Yeah, that. is oh. it Insomnia's Christopher Nolan film, huh? I, yeah. I totally forgot that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh. it is. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. It is. Wow. That yeah. and that 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 movie is so like I don't know. It's just is punishing the right word. <laughs> is punishing uh, the word we want to use. Yeah, I don't know. It is kind of punishing. I have amnesia. Or amnesia. Oh my god. My fucking <laughs> goddamn it. I have insomnia. So, um, as yeah. an insomniac, I related with that movie. <laughs> Maybe not too quite of like the um, like losing your mind type of. Mm-hmm. Of route, but I felt that guy's struggle for sure. Yeah. Al Pacino, good old Al. I mean, I would have assumed well, that you you had amnesia too, because I noticed that your special <laughs> defense is pretty high. So, so true. <laughs> Pokemon jokes. <laughs> well, th- this one's actually kind of um, it's an interesting Christopher Nolan film, not just because of it being a, a solid one, but it- it's actually a remake of. Um, of another, uh, I think it's the same name. Jeez, uh, when did this come out? Because I remember, the, I remember this movie came out like early two thousands. But the 
the remake was like 97 i want to say it was like it was a foreign film yeah oh. and so i've not yeah. so i know what you're talking about i've not seen the i've not seen the original um but yes yeah i mean it, it's for christopher nolan it's not quite as um Oh, I, I'm trying to figure out the words here. I mean, it's 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 about a murder. So, Joe, we're not going to tell you everything here because uh, I mean that that spoiled the fun. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe you could, and I would figure out if that sweet murder mystery part I've been planning is actually the original idea, or Christopher Nolan <laughs> just put it in my head years ago from watching his movies. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it feels uniquely different from the rest of the catalog that I'm familiar with because. You know, th this is like a, a, yeah, murder mystery takes place in like, isn't it re like remote Alaska, Chelsea? Yeah, yes. Ooh. And it's when um, basically it's like 24 hours of sunlight. Like it's that type time of year where there's just no nighttime, Ooh. Yeah. Um, which is a big part of the reason why this dude can't get any sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 30 days of night, baby. I was gonna yep. say, yeah, thank you that this means the vampires won't come at least during that movie. That yeah, so he got lucky to miss out on vampire season, which is what which with Halloween coming up, I feel like that's something we need to wade into. Um but, the darkest mm -hmm. night <laughs> or we vampire should, season. We should we should wade into 30 days a night, but I mean I think so, yeah. Which I mean, by the way, since tomorrow is the first day of October, um, obviously this is not being recorded in the same. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I just plan on <laughs> blasting Marilyn Manson's uh, cover of This is Halloween the whole day. Oh, God. <laughs> Nothing else. I'll be sitting there supposed to be teaching. My kids will be taking a math test. And it's just, this is Halloween. Oh, there you go. And over and over. It's going to be great. Good day. It, Good day tomorrow. This this movie uh, was actually really well reviewed, if I remember correctly, because basically everybody loves Al Pacino. He mm -hmm. he did a, he did a really good job in this one, um, and it's it's you can't make a, a Christopher Nolan movie and not have it be a smart one. Like it's mm -hmm. a smart movie. The psychological right. aspects of it are very very strong, um, and I. I respect the movie. That's why I don't want to give it away. Right. <laughs> yeah. Especially if folks haven't seen it. Like, like it, it's the, just, just basically imagine a murder mystery, but Christopher Nolan's at the helm. Like if we're just going to be literal, like I, I, I would much rather have uh, a thriller where I don't feel like I know what's going to happen as opposed to pretty much every procedural we've seen since then. Right. And mm -hmm. honestly, insomnia, it's, it's kind of touching back on inception it's just really nothing like that like it's it is still like a kind of a psychological thriller but it's not it doesn't have the same like twists and it's not it's not designed to like fuck with your reality yeah <laughs> it's just good storytelling mm -hmm. yeah which which i think kind of leads us into the next the next pit stop that i think some folks are actually going to be familiar with Mm -hmm. um if we if we move on from insomnia obviously everybody knows the, the dark knight trilogy and everything so oh, we, yeah. we may not spend a ton of time there but mm. one of my favorite movies is the prestige yes mm -hmm. i'm guessing joe has seen it based off of that response <laughs> i have i did see that one <laughs> joe, yep. what do you and like about the prestige more than once i think probably my favorite part about this is that uh you have hugh jackman in there which if you're unaware there are only two things on this planet that are 80% muscle. One's a shark, the other's Hugh Jackman. Mm -hmm. 
so when that guy just comes out saying that this is the greatest show stop it right there you don't need anything else <laughs> which really which... is hilarious in this movie because it's a story about two, two magicians. magicians yeah mm -hmm. one who is a an excellent showman mm -hmm. and one who is a great technical magician but sucks on that side of, of being a showman yep so like they're they're separate parts of the venn diagram that don't overlap mm -hmm. and and so it, it's it isn't an interesting story um it's also adapted from a novel actually um, oh nice yeah so this was actually a book that came out in 95 i want to say i okay. i know it was like pre Super Bowl 31 Packers victory. That's how I always remember it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how all Wisconsinites keep track of time. Like, oh, yeah. Which Super Bowl win did this yeah. take place? Hey, honey, when did this movie come out? Oh, that came out there before uh, before 32. 32. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, yeah. There. So, <laughs> so, okay, Chelsea, I, I don't want to give this away too much for you because we, we, we paid respect to the folks that haven't seen insomnia but you haven't seen the prestige is that we're, this we're is correct mm -hmm. okay so fortunately we haven't given away too much joe no but basically you've got again like competing magicians you have christian bale is the more technical magician but not the greatest showman whereas hugh jackman is much more of the showman but suddenly christian bale's technical wizardry comes into place and comes up with an incredible new act that Hugh Jackman just cannot figure out. And that's what he's trying to do through a majority of this movie. And then eventually he decides uh, to turn to one of the greatest technicians of, of that time mm. to try and help him come up with a magic show, which of course both magicians know magic's not supposed to be real. But anyway, he goes <laughs> to the one and the only Nikola Tesla played by the one and the only David Bowie. Really? It's, it's one like when when I first saw the movie, okay. I, so I had read the book, mm -hmm. so I kind of knew I knew where it was going to go. Yep. But but when I saw David Bowie as Tesla, uh, it, it was kind of the same idea that people kind of got in their heads when they're like, "Oh man, Heath Ledger's Joker." It's like that's going to suck. Mm -hmm. and, but <laughs> but but yeah. Then then I saw Bowie as Tesla, and I'm like, "Man, how is this going to play out?" Yeah. I only remember him for a massive crotch in in a, in a kids movie. <laughs> that's and that's all you see. That whole movie is just oh god. Just, well, there's just, David Bowie's dick, dude. It's like he's got like a head of cauliflower stuffed into the, that pair of pants, man. <laughs> yeah, but in the Prestige, he he's killing it. He yeah. play he plays the role so well, and yeah. So to Joe's point, um, yeah, like it's it's madness trying to figure out for uh, Hugh Jackman's character. He's trying to figure out how he can trump this act. Yep. Um, or and, figure out how it works too. Or yeah. that's another thing that he cannot that he can't do. And this is this is a great time where, like again, like Inception. Like also, this is not Inception. Like it's not like meant to make you question reality, but. You're supposed to, I think like you're also in the same place with Hugh Jackman. It's like, okay, clearly we have to figure out how the hell he does this. And each turn you don't seem to figure it out. And then the answer that it actually is feels like it's such an easy slap to the face, like twist that you're not insulted by it, but it's like, holy shit, that's how this works. <laughs> um, well, and, it's, yeah. it's brilliantly stated though mm -hmm. of, of what the prestige is. Mm-hmm. 
and and so Michael Caine is also in this movie as yep. a, he's a, he's a mainstay of of Nolan films, and so early on in the movie uh, he's the narrator and he states that every magic trick consists of three parts. The first is called the pledge, right? Like the magician showing you something that doesn't seem to be all that crazy. It's just mm -hmm. an ordinary item. Uh, the second is called the turn. So the magician takes that thing and then does something that doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. And then the third act is the prestige. And the prestige is usually where you're left to understand, like, did I just see something truly magical? Yeah. Do, do I want to be mm -hmm. tricked? Like, what am I thinking? Like, that's that's how you're you're kind of put into this. This well, it is a mind fuck, Joe. Yeah, it is, it it, is a mind fuck. It, the whole it, thing. It, it, the whole thing, like, because I know, like, the end really is because when you get Hugh Jackman's basically his take on the uh, the act the, of Christian Bale's act, that really fucks with your head. And I yeah. and again, like, I don't want to. Yeah, we're not giving it away. I'm not we're giving, not giving that away. away. Not giving it away. But like, when he finally thinks he's found a way to rival Bale's act. And he does something, and it's really, really good. And then you see, basically, the act take place like within it. So, because I think you, the first few times you see it, like you basically see, um, you see what the you want to see. for it. You see yeah. what you want to see. Yeah, you, you see the setup for it, and then you see the end result of it. Well, yeah. that's and you never the see the place. beginning. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to say in less words, Chelsea, is that this film in a lot of ways is it's it's the same christopher nolan that we hitched up with in 2000 uh he leaves breadcrumbs behind for you to look at mm -hmm. leading up to what's going on but true to the form of what these magician acts are the movie takes the same turn right like you're you're presented stuff that seems ordinary weird shit happens and then you're left trying to figure out Okay, what he left shit. me bread. Like <laughs> I'm following these breadcrumbs, mm -hmm. but like these are like four different types of bread, bro. Like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> yeah, what um, the hell. And, yeah, and by the time you get to the end, you're like, what? What was I looking for this whole time? <laughs> yeah. And then like, and, I'm like, Chaminade's like this guy started sucking after his second movie. Oh, dude, he he fucking uh, signs, man. Still not over that shit. Hey, for me, Prestige is like th this is like. If there was a stamp for Christopher Nolan, like the mm -hmm. prestige is the stamp. Like he, that's where he really kind that's of his finest hour. He bought me on that one. He mm -hmm. bought me on the prestige. Seriously, um, I, I mean, not to say that Memento didn't like pull me in, but prestige. <sighs> that's yeah. what puts butts in the seats for Mark. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. Yeah, when I've used the, he sells you the whole seat. And you only need the edge. That's what <laughs> prestige is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, we, we do have to mention the Dark Knight trilogy oh, because yeah. I mean it, it's mm -hmm. it, it's it's what everybody kind of knows them for. Um, I'll I'll open the floor to both of you on this. Why does the Dark Knight trilogy work for you? Well, I think the reason why it works for me is because, like, I don't want to say Batman's the most realistic superhero that you could make work for this, but. Because really, like the shit he pulls off is completely unrealistic. But I digress. Is he is a character that we can easily see in our real functioning world because his villains 
typically aren't like these super powered crazy villains, which he does have them, I'm not saying he doesn't, but the ones that Nolan chooses to focus on are, you know, very real. We get this one, we start off in a Gotham that is not just instantly the Joker and Two-Face and all these other characters running it. It's like we see it run by crime families. We see a flawed justice system that is basically being exploited to keep them in power. And then eventually that does get shaken up by the appearance of, you know, Batman. Uh, and definitely when when Heath Ledger comes in the second movie as the Joker, which is still like I know like Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing job as as the Joker in his movie. And obviously he wins the Academy Award for it. And but like, I don't know, like Ledger's version of the Joker was just incredible. So. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess it was, honestly, it was a perfect storm of incredible writing for those movies, um, brilliant acting choices, and again, like, it makes Batman, who is truly an unbelievable character, very believable. Yeah, well, I think they stick really close to, like, who Batman is and what Batman does in that mm -hmm. trilogy, too. Um, unlike some of the other adaptations that have <laughs> we've seen, you know, um, mm -hmm. in the nuts. I mean, in the, in sense, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Honestly, for me, and I, I know there's a lot of superhero movies have been around forever, but I really feel like this this trilogy here is what absolutely launched the absolutely mega popularity of superhero films and franchises mm -hmm. like to begin with. Like, honestly, I don't think Marvel would be doing what it's doing right now if it weren't for the, the, the dark Knight series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Cause like, look, I mean, look at the Marvel movies, like obviously Marvel is incredible for what they've done now. But like, mm -hmm. if you look at their movies during and before the dark Knight, where you had, what daredevil and the fantastic four exactly oh, yeah, yeah. they're campy yeah. they're camp i mean Terrible. exactly spider-man one was and campy two. because of sam no, raimi okay. though yeah like sam raimi that that's just his his style of storytelling is kind of yep. over the top mm -hmm. you've got the zoom in stuff that like looks ridiculous like that's that's his style yeah. whatever but I, I agree with you, Chelsea, to an extent here, because, you know, phase one Marvel didn't happen for the MCU until 2008. That's when Iron Man one came out mm -hmm. and Batman Begins comes out in 2005, which is relatively low fanfare mm -hmm. like yeah. for, for a superhero movie. Now we're like, oh, yeah, that thing's going to probably make 750 to a billion. Right? Guaranteed, like yeah. without even trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Batman Begins was not that kind of story. And I think part of the reason why is because it doesn't it doesn't look like what some of these previous batman movies were um mm -hmm. you didn't have any kind of bright colors or you know the uh some no, of these ridiculous tie-ins yeah yeah right mm -hmm. right i mean they, they took yeah. it seriously yeah and they it, did and it showed mm -hmm. it was and it was brooding it was dark and it made it made under 400 million at the box office if you can believe that yeah wow wow yeah Wow. wow. But I like bringing up a good point that Chelsea made where she said that like they really got Batman very well in these movies. And that mm -hmm. is incredibly true because like looking at Batman since then, obviously Ben Affleck's Batman is the only like on screen thing we'll have until Michael Keaton becomes Batman again here pretty soon, mm -hmm. which is going to be pretty great. But 
like what sucks here is because I didn't even hate Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought like the visual of him as Batman was great. I loved the suit. I loved how bulky that Ben Affleck made himself for this, but the character made no sense for what Batman is like Batman has a reason for everything he does and every action he takes. And then you have Batman in this movie where I'll never again, like I've talked before, like he's branding villains knowing that when those villains like, and again, like these aren't like high level, crazy, like super criminals. Like these are just guys freaking knocking off like convenience stores and he's branding them. Yeah. And it turns out like if you have that brand when you're in prison, like they kill you for it. So he's knowingly getting people killed. Yeah. And then of course there's that stupid line where he sees um, like, you know, the whole fight with Superman from man of steel and Metropolis gets leveled and the whole, like, if there's even like a 1% chance, he's a villain. We have to take it as absolute certainty. And it's like, you asshole. That means there's a 99% chance that he's totally fine. Yeah. Like what logic are you using there? Like there's a difference between Batman planning on like all of the heroes eventually going bad where he has to, he may have to fight them versus he thinks they're going to be bad. So he just takes them out in advance. And that's what we see the modern like Snyder Batman try doing. Yeah. And again, like, it's like that, like this is not a believable, like anything close to what we've seen the character be. And, And which is why I think it was a smart move for, for Christopher Nolan to portray Batman as a crime fighter and not as someone who's trying to prevent an intergalactic war. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, like he's rooted in a, in a humanity only style of struggle here. And from a storytelling standpoint, it's really, uh, really well done because in a lot of these superhero movies that we watch, yeah, they, they save the day and like, mm-hmm. you know, especially like Spider-Man, you know, oh, he saves someone's purse from a robbery and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. you know, one at a time, all of these things add up and eventually just like with, with any kind of organized crime or any, any kind of uh, regimes that have been taken out of power, there's a vacuum that forms. Mm-hmm. Somebody else steps into that. And so it really makes the, the justice aspect of this, uh, you can feel just how daunting it is for for Batman. Yes, like like he has to sacrifice so much. He does so much to save the city, and then it's back to shit ten minutes later. Yep, mm-hmm. like you just can't win. No, it's like you know you you just you're you're like a maid. You just finished cleaning up, and then suddenly they make it a mess again. It's like, hey, didn't I just clean this place up? Or yeah. a butler. Yeah, <laughs> a butler. <laughs> I yeah. was going off of an Incredibles reference, but hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I mean, it's, but that, but that, I mean, so you can debate, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Dark Knight Rises because oh, I yeah. think, I think a lot of folks, I don't disagree with them. I mean, that's yeah. probably the weakest of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredibly hard to follow up the Dark Knight with oh, the Dark yeah. Knight Rises. And especially when the Dark Knight Rises wasn't even Nolan's like original plan to end that the end of the series, mm-hmm. because of course, like sadly, like he planned on having the story revolve around the Joker again. And when Heath Ledger passed away, he felt like there's no way he's going to like recast that character, which was the correct choice. Absolutely correct choice. Yeah. 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 And and to that point, I mean, Nolan working with with Tom Hardy. Um, you know, Tom Hardy and, and Christopher Nolan kind of came to an agreement on 
on Bane's background because in the comics he he has a Latin background. Mm-hmm. He comes from uh, he was like a criminal that you know boxed in prison and became you know like this this title fighter basically mm-hmm. in prison. And and so what Tom Hardy wanted to do was actually pay homage to the actual origins of Bane, and so he models himself off of this um, uh, off of this like I can't remember what what era he's from it's like it's like early 1900s or something but like he models his voice after this guy who has a similar background and christopher nolan's like you know what let's use it i like it let's go with it and and tom hardy even said himself that they're probably gonna laugh us out of the theater with me using this (laughs) but but because (laughs) because it pays homage to the actual character himself i think Mm -hmm. it's a good move and uh you know I'm, i'm actually happy that they even had that ability to to take chances with with the batman you know uh villains and you know their interpretations of it because there's a reason why it's it's as successful as it was i mean it was the the characters felt a little more rooted you know there's uh a little more at stake even though the third one does once again it kind of falls apart it gets gets kind of ridiculous but yeah you could you could tell they didn't yep they didn't do their best with that. Well, I mean, what can you do when you're trying to breathe through a crab? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which which one of these hoses do you breathe out of? <laughs> oh, uh, so that tied up his his uh, his efforts for quite a bit, though. I mean, we only got Inception in between the Batman movies, um, and then we get Interstellar after that point. Yeah, and Interstellar. I liked Interstellar a lot, to be completely honest. Um, and again, as like a science teacher and someone who really does enjoy just science in general, like he really went out of his way to try and figure things out for this movie. And because he, he worked with NASA scientists, so like he's like, all right, well, what should a black hole look like if we could see anything of it? And so like the imagery he uses is actually based off of like actual science, which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. And then again, like uh, we have touched on uh i guess we will touch on later this week his uh his love for time dilation because that's that's a huge part of it and again like that's that's right that's what happens when you get closer to a black hole like yeah time, time slows down slows down for you like things are all yeah. timey whiny or timey whiny for christopher nolan very <laughs> <laughs> it's true though i mean interstellar is one of those movies that if if you don't have mm-hmm much involvement with uh with either time travel black holes how it distorts time how Mm -hmm. it consumes energy it's just presence in general then yeah some of it could seem like just babble yeah right but the majority of interstellar i thought was um from a tone standpoint and and from the story that they tell i mean if you even remove some of the science elements of it and you just allow yourself to be be wowed by it Mm -hmm. um I do think Interstellar is a great, great film. Oh yeah, um, I like, I like the, I don't know the the commentary he makes about. Oh, I'm trying to think exactly what he's what he's trying to comment on, but even like education, because like you have this movie where Earth is shot, like it's like we do not have the capacity to support ourselves on this planet anymore, and I think there is I can't remember exactly what it was, but basically. They're blaming scientists. I think it's you know, they blame scientists for their current position where things are kind of fucked. It can't get fixed. 
And because eventually they go into believing that like the moon landing never happened or that NASA was never even really a thing. Because like there is, I think there's a, uh, you've got the main character uh, played by Matthew McConaughey and he has his daughter in school and she has a, uh, a meeting with the teacher because she's gotten into trouble and they bring up how she keeps talking about like, space flight and all these other things and how the other kids are telling her that none of that was real none of it happened and the teachers are like supporting the other children saying that no 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 we think that it was a great story for the time and that we we had to say it because like we were at war with the russians and that's why we said we were doing all these things and so i thought that was interesting that for some reason one of our like proudest moments as our country is putting people on the moon and for some reason we've chosen to basically act like that was a lie yeah it's like what happens if we just gave in to the whole moon landing was a conspiracy people <laughs> yeah it's like we definitely took the wrong direction because really there there are a few directions you could take that it can be either like you said you give in to them and like, oh i guess you're right or you the fight them flat on it. It yeah the earth is flat mm -hmm. <laughs> or yeah or like that's the other way you just go like full-on you out conspiracy theory them it's like yeah. oh you're one of those people that believes in the moon, do you? <laughs> what a fool you are. But yeah, so it turns out that NASA, lo and behold, was real and is real and is still kind of working in the background with a way to finally save the Earth. And it, in, and it involves a little bit of time dilation getting close to a black hole. Um uh. <laughs> that's uh that's bumblebee everybody <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a uh a pet pop in like that mm -hmm. so you know i think i think we we're overdue for one well um, i mean i think it's because we're discussing one of her favorite movies yeah she yeah. has actually she has a lot of takes on um on uh space travel and you know Mm -hmm. wormholes and such so yep and was very confused as to why uh matt damon wasn't stuck on mars but was stuck on a different planet in this movie yes she really yes. hates science deniers too so that's probably why she popped in she was really <laughs> trying to set me straight with all my talks of the world <laughs> earth being flat and stuff like that well good job b yeah she got me right back on track <laughs> But well, yeah. yeah, Interstellar definitely uh, excels because it does balance science really well with a story between a you know a, a, a father daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and similar to what happens in Inception, you know, you've got a father son relationship that weaves into that. Um, and so I I think overall, yeah, I mean, it's the emotional gut punch that's there is mm -hmm. is really well done. Which kind of takes us into the projects that he took on after Interstellar. Yeah. Um, which, before we get to that, one bad confession, and I'm very mad that I don't realize this. Was it Bryce Dallas Howard in Interstellar, or is it Jessica Chastain? Chastain, Jessica, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Jessica okay. Chastain. Yep. My apologies to, to Jessica Chastain and both Bryce Dallas Howard. Well, they look very similar. Yeah. <laughs> You are not the first person to to make that mix no. up. And I think the great 
the great Jeff Goldblum did that on his own show with Bryce Dallas Howard on it. So Ouch. I guess it's fine. Well, I know yeah. what? I definitely read um, an article one time about Ron Howard running into Jessica Chastain out in like public, seeing mm-hmm. her from behind and saying to someone, oh, I think that's Bryce. So oh, okay. it's I, okay. <laughs> I feel better if her own dad has yeah. made yeah. this mistake. Yeah. So... It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, mistaking your child for someone else's side. Uh, unfortunately, the latter side of Christopher Nolan's filmmaking is actually what I'm the least familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I didn't catch Dunkirk and I tried watching Tenet and I've not been able to f- finish it. Ooh, ouch. A, I, yeah. You put a pin in that one, did you? Mm-hmm. I tried. I really did. I I, I watched. I, I well, let me put it this way. I watched about thirty minutes, and I rewound those thirty minutes. Oh, watched it again, and I was like, I am struggling here, and I've never had that happen with one of his movies before. Like I, I'm not even trying to say it's like an intelligence thing or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like I just watched the thirty minutes and like. I can't get past this. And wow. maybe, yeah, maybe at some point I'll revisit it. You know, maybe the three of us can gather and have a few beers and just get through it. But like, I, yeah, and it's not just me. There's many others who have watched Tenet and they're like, I, yeah, this is a hard movie to watch. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I know like one of the gripes about it that I've heard is also the gripes that I think has been made about Inception is that they feel like it's it's complicated for the sake of being complicated, where mm. he gets wrapped up in trying to make a convoluted plot instead of making an interesting one. Mm. Tenet definitely suffers from that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Inception suffers from that. I think Inception is very similar to Interstellar, where it's the right balance of of things that like could be confusing, but eventually you're going to get over time. Yeah, you know. Like with Tenet, I mean, I've been with this guy watching his movies now almost 20 years and I can't get through it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ouch. Like that, that's that's where I'm like going, is it me? Is it you? Like, ooh, yeah. Come on. Who's to blame? I don't here, know Chris? where to go with this breakup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to accept some blame here, you know. I've I've confessed a few things in my my journal that I keep in my hope chest, but dude, I can't <laughs> I, I can't meet you in the middle on this one. So well, I mean you can't you can't make you can't knock it out of the park every time. Hell, you can't even get on base every time. So yeah, not yeah. everyone's gonna be a banger. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but you know what though? I, I think it's still a fun thing to celebrate, though, is the fact mm-hmm. that we've got kind of a once-in-a-lifetime director here who does take chances. He's mm-hmm. proven it from you know the early stuff that we remember all the way up until now. I would be concerned if if Christopher Nolan all of a sudden like finishes the dumb and dumber trilogy, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, like th- th- this is the kind of stuff that I think he- he'll keep doing. And I mean, it, most of it manages to be entertaining. So I think that that's enough for me to say, like, I'll give 10 another shot. But the fact that he's been doing this for 20 years and consistently finds ways to like shake things loose in our brains that we just haven't used in a while. I think that's really um, probably the most important thing I can say about that guy. 